This morning, I want to uh, build a bit on what Pastor Jaime was giving to us last night and a bit on our lesson that Tracy shared with us earlier, if you happen to be on. But I want to begin with this gorgeous picture. Troy, is that being shown so everybody can see those roses? All right. You can all see this bouquet and someone very near and dear to me not in this state, but another state. Someone very near and dear sent me recently a bouquet of gorgeous, long-stemmed yellow roses. And they were indeed tinged around the edges with burgundies and reds and pinks. I mean, they were gorgeous. So, and they were packed wonderfully well. So I unpacked and I very happily read the directions for how I could keep these roses as fresh and gorgeous as they were when I got them. And each day I smelled them and said, oh, beautiful. Wish I had a little rose bush like that in my garden, but I'm working on it, working on it. But inevitably they started turning brown. I mean, they, they went to a, a husky, dusky yellow and then to a sad little brown. And then I couldn't keep them any longer. I did pull some of those off so I could dry them. And I kept a few that were clinging to some freshness of some sort. But inevitably, they all turned except I was delighted to see, I'll get a stem, one moment. It doesn't look like much, but on the little nubs that were there, I started seeing some green coming, and then I saw a leaf or two, and I said, ha, I can root these things and get them out to my flower garden, and maybe I can grow some. So, you know, Brent, he's always resourceful for me. And he does the heavy digging out there. I do the joyful little, little bit of weeding and taking the bugs off. But he's the one that usually gets the shovel out and does that for me. And he found some YouTubes for me. Now, YouTube is relatively new to me as well. But, you know, you can find most anything on YouTube. Have you tried that? I found someone, or actually he did find someone, who told me that I needed to have the right kind of soil, and I had to have a fourth of this and a fourth of that and a half of that. So I got on Amazon, and before you knew it, I had the Amazon truck coming with vermiculite, and some kind of sand, special sand. And there is such a thing, if you believe it, as a rose root hormone. Would you think of such a thing? But it really is out there. So I had that coming. And then I kept on reading. And then there was an expert on there who said, and he's the one that knew really how to grow roses from long-stemmed hothouse roses. And he said to me on that YouTube video. If you start to see your green nubs and your little leaves and you don't have any roots, you're too late. 
As the words of a famous preacher once said, first the roots, then the shoots. Ah, so my roses were gone, but it led me to the scriptures, to the word. Because what spiritual application can I put in place of these sad little stems that needed to root first before it shoots? So, I want to see if I can do this. Sometimes I'm not very good at this, Troy. I'm going to try this. What do you think? You at home. Now, some of you at home, I know, Suzanne and others, you are master gardeners. But you can see why I got excited. And there's my root hormone. It's still in there. I haven't used a thing. But I went to Luke. So in your Bibles, if you would, because we have been studying about using the Scripture and focusing on a topic and going, where, where in the Bible does it say to look and search the Scriptures and find out what it says on any subject? Luke chapter 8. If you would join me in Luke chapter 8, this is probably a, a familiar, perhaps, story to you. Jesus told this story. The parable of the farmer or the sower who goes out and scatters the seed. And I want to focus on one in particular. Verse 6, please. Luke 8, verse 6. I'm using the New Living Translation. I happen to like that one. It gives us so much closeness to the uh, literal uh, Aramaic and, and Greek words, but it also puts it in language that, that we can all understand. Luke 8 Verse 6, other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow. But the plant soon wilted because it had no moisture. Verse 13, keep on going though. Verse 13, because here is Jesus telling them what it was meaning. Verse 13 of Luke 8. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while and then they fall away when they face temptation. They didn't have anything really rooted in there. I want to get back, and it was interesting that Tracy brought out a point um, that we should try our best. I haven't studied Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic, but we should try our best to go back. And I did find the meaning of the word receive in Greek. It is the Greek word, and I may not pronounce this right, so Pastor Jaime, you'll have to correct me a little bit later when you hear and interpret this. But my, my study took me to a word called de dechomai, D-E-C-H-O-M-A-I, dechomai. And it means to welcome, to receive in an open attitude, a learning attitude. Okay, so... I had received the news of my green buds with joy, but I hadn't really waited to hear all the rest of what was going on so I could really understand and get to the depths of it. 
Let's go down to verse 18, still in Luke 8, verse 18. And Jesus' Jesus's words are still going on here, verse 18. So pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, Jesus said, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Wow. So even what I thought I understood, it didn't matter because I didn't root it down into what I should have learned and really gotten to the nitty-gritty, if you will, of it all. Pastor Jaime talked about that last night. How do we hear things? How do we listen? And I do have to take a sidestep. You know I couldn't get up here without taking some kind of a detour with Brent sitting right here. In this time of socialization distancing, sometimes those we are with, if we are with somebody, can get a little interesting especially if they're the only voice we really hear. So I have to say that Brent, while reading or looking at the paper or working on a puzzle perhaps, and I will say something, I get the response, mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever get something like that, but mm-hmm. I have learned to decipher as, yeah, I heard a noise, but I'm really not registering what those words are saying. And I got an amen from that. It is different from listening than it is from hearing. We can hear the sounds, but to listen means to take it all deeply inside, to really hear what is being said. So I knew that if I wanted to learn what Jesus learned, learned how he learned, I really needed to go back. So if you don't mind this morning, we're going to do some Bible searching and do some scripture reading so we can see what the Bible teaches about how Jesus grew his roots down into the depths of soil. We're did he get his roots from? What are his genes compromised of? Let's go back and see what Matthew records. Matthew, for chapter 1, please. Now, when I was growing up, my Bible had so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and I grew to learn that the begats were very dull reading. But, it is so amazing, so interesting to look at the genealogy of Jesus' human tree. Matthew recorded this and said right there in verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1, Jesus the Messiah, this is a recording of the ancestors of him. He is a descendant of David. We won't go through them all. He starts with Abraham. Look at that in verse 2. Abraham all the way down. Now, move your eye all the way down. Go down to uh, verse 5, Matthew 1, verse 5. We're getting down further. There's Rahab. Isn't that interesting? She's in there, but she's there. 
Boaz, the mother of Ruth. Now we're getting down into Obed and Jesse. Verse 6, Jesse was the father of King David. Jesus had the genealogy of Abraham and King David. Those are very interesting things to think about, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Then go all the way down, all of the was the father of, was the father of. Now, they very seldom, except for those two spots, tell you who the mothers were. But when you go all the way down, you'll see in verse 16, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. We don't know anything about Mary's parents that I'm aware of. And Mary gave birth to Jesus. There are his generations, and you'll see that next verse tells you how many generations are in between um, Abraham to David, and then David to the exile, and then the, the uh, exile to the Messiah. Kind of an interesting thing. What a family tree. That is so amazing. Ah, but go over to Luke. I want you to go to Luke with me. Luke chapter 3. This is the other genealogy that we have of Jesus. Luke records even further. Now, those of us who may have... Um, princesses and kings in our background, or maybe you even go to the Mayflower, I don't know. But this goes all the way, starting in verse 23. If you go to Luke 3, verse 23, and it will take you all the way back, going up. Jesus was the son of, then you go all the way all the way back. You have to go all the way back over to verse 31 and 32, and sure enough, there is David again, the son of Jesse. All the way down, go to 34. There we find Abraham. So we're going backwards, but you're finding the same family tree. How amazing is that? And then you go down, and they even have Noah here, verse 36. And verse 38, and Seth was the son of Adam. And look at this last phrase. Adam was the son of God. Ah. So Jesus could trace his roots back to David, back to Abraham, and back to Adam, and back to God. Now before you go, whoo, we may not even know who our parents or grandparents were, but we all go back to Noah, and we all go back to Adam, and thus, we all go back to God. But Jesus wasn't satisfied with that. That was what was so amazing to me because the people around him, the teachers around him, were so proud of the fact, I am a child, a descendant, of Abraham. But Jesus didn't leave it there. In fact, when we get down to Isaiah, let's go there first. I'm going to take you back to Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 and 3. Now, this is an interesting one. Isaiah 11. Verses 1 and 3. Now remember, we just looked at the fact that David is a son of Jesse. And these verses tell us, 
I think that's too small for you to see up there probably. But there's an old dead stump similar to what I had on my rose stem, I think. But out of the stump of David or Jesse will come a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. A fruit from the old root. Similar, I love show and tell. Maybe to this one. Now, I have a confession. I have to tell you that this is a, an alamanda, and it froze a little bit when we got the cold weather a bit ago. And then all of a sudden, I saw the green coming out. And again, I have a lot of joy, but I'm trying to listen to how to root him. And he's doing a tiny bit better. I have fuzz. But Jesus was the branch that came out of the old stump of David. It was, it was prophesied centuries and centuries before, before Jesus was born. This is the line that he would come from. This is his family tree, if you will. And go a little further in um, Isaiah 11 with me, verse 2, because I want you to see the beauty of what he was filling himself with. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight, verse 3, in obeying the Lord. Now Isaiah has a lot more to say, but I want you to see what Jesus had to contend with. Isaiah 53, just a few pages over from where you were, Isaiah 53 and the first part of verse 2. Isaiah 53 and the first part of verse 2. Because here is an interesting, he, there's so much that, he, that Isaiah prophesied about Jesus. But he said, my servant will, gr will grow up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot. But go a little further, like a root in dry ground. Why? Jesus was taught at Mary's knee. He was able to read the scriptures as he was growing up. He grew up in dry ground. What does that mean? Well, think of what was going on around him. Satan was doing everything he possibly could to keep Jesus from accomplishing his ministry and his mission. The Pharisees and Sadducees came at him all the time, questioning, probing, trying to trip him up. False teaching. I found an interesting verse in the little book of Jude that's right before Revelation. Brent's going to talk about that next week, I think. But right before Revelation, it's the little verse 12, Jude 12. And this is so amazing. Jude is saying what very honest, very real words about the false teachers that were coming and, and just dividing the new churches that Jesus had set up with his disciples. Jude 12. They are like, he's referencing the false teachers, they are like trees in autumn that are doubly dead, for they bear no fruit and have been pulled up 
by their roots. Now, you know that we, we talk about trees dying in the fall. They lose their leaves, or most of them, if they're not an evergreen. That's another whole ministry sermon. But they lose their leaves, but these were pulled up by the roots, doubly dead. To me, that struck so profoundly about the first death and the second death. We will all face that first death. But there's no need to face that second death, that double death, that pulling up by the roots, because Jesus did that for us. What an incredible Savior to have put his roots down in that dry ground. Do you know that I was reading um, in looking at all of these things, getting it ready to share with you, there are some large trees whose taproot or main root will grow down to over 200 feet searching for water. And that's what Jesus did. He searched for living water. He wasn't relying upon what did the Pharisees say, what did the Sadducees say, what does it say here, and what does it say here. And he had the Old Testament scriptures. He quoted them over and over. He bathed his soul in them. He grew his roots into them. He was like that tender green shoot coming up through the dry ground, finding the moisture, the living water of God's word. Ah, so now I'm really starting to learn a little bit better because, you know, my roots have felt kind of dry these last few weeks especially. I'm missing all of you, missing the hugs. The lobby was a bit lonely this morning, I have to say, coming through even though the smiles of Todd and Troy and the smiles of Tracy for Sabbath school. But I miss that camaraderie. And yet I'm not alone. Because God is with me. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I am with you. I will never forsake you. What a promise. What an incredible Savior. He has his roots deeply. I'm trying to grow mine a little more deeply, just like he did. You know, Matthew records some interesting things, and when we looked at those genealogies, I wanted to bring up something special that John said. Matthew 3, I'm going to put you back to Matthew 3, please. Matthew 3, because this will pick up what we were reading. I emphasized Abraham and David, and I just want you to see what this says. Matthew Three, uh, 9 and 10, please. Matthew 3, 9 and 10. This is John the Baptist. And he was addressing those Pharisees and Sadducees that were trying to trip Jesus up or lead people away from their thoughts, their false teachings. And John looked them right in the eye, just like Jesus did as well. And he said, verse 9, Matthew 3, verse 9, don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing, I tell you. For God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Amazing. Amazing. And verse 10, even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, 
ready to sever the roots of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. It's amazing when you put scripture upon scripture, what picture does it paint for you? What picture does it bring to your mind? If I don't have my roots grounded firmly in God, the way Jesus had them in his heavenly Father, I'm going to be pulled up. I'm going to be swayed back and forth. I'm not going to be able to stand firm. Jesus had a beautiful parable. I think that's my next one. Thank you, Troy. And let's go to it. I love the book of John. John records such loving words of Jesus back in the Gospel of John. And we're going to go to chapter 15. This is Jesus again. Um, before the, his prayer in, in uh, chapter 17 is recorded, because that's the unity prayer. That's one of my favorite places. John 15, verse 1. Look at those words. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given to you, Jesus said. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. As much as I want it to, I've got to get it to root again. I've got to get it down to the real water and the real food so it can produce. This one is a chocolate brown Elamanda. I want to see it. I want to look at it, see the colors that God made and produce what he designed and created. Verse 5 of John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Down a little further, for apart from me, you can do nothing. I want you to look at that grapevine for a little bit. Because Jesus now says, I've grown my roots down. I am in the word. I am the word. I am. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So I will build up that vine. You are the branches. Whether we're a true branch, I don't know if you can trace yourself back to Israel. Maybe you can. Or grafted on. I'm more of the Gentile, I think. Whether we're the true, the real, or the grafted, Ephesians 1 said we were designed to be the family of God. God was pleased to graft us into him. I, I would love to actually go a little bit further. Do you know that there is a place in the Bible where Jesus says, Ah, oh, you're talking about my mother and my brothers? No, they're not my family. Remember that? They were outside. He was in a crowded room, and the people said, Jesus, your mother and brothers are out there. And he said the strangest thing. No. They're not mine. Now, he loved his family. It's not saying he doesn't love them. But he had grafted himself into the roots of God. So Jesus said, 
I am the son of man. And he's also the son of God. He is and he was both that for me. It gives me that beauty of knowing that I am a child of God. I have my roots down deeply into the soil of God's word, into the soil of who he is, the soil of my heavenly father. So I can be a co-heir of Jesus. He calls me not only his child, he calls me his brother, his sister, his friend. He lays down his life for me, for you. What an incredible Savior we have, incredible Savior. When we think of that and we look at how these roots can grow on to the rock, we know that God is our solid rock. And I've asked Sandy, bless her heart, she came in just to play this song for us. And I'd like you to join me. The words will be on the screen because I chose the song, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. No other ground but Him. Everything else is sinking sand. And after we sing this, there are three verses and the chorus. After we sing this, I'd like to close with one more thought from Ephesians 3. So you can have your, your books marked or your device turned to Ephesians 3. And after this song, we're going to be reading Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. It's one of my favorite places. So one more, and I'll just show you. I found one with even bigger roots. I want my roots to grow completely, and I want him to surround me, and I want to surround him he and me, I and him. So, the words will be on the screen. I have the words here also. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And for those one or two people that are here, it's number 522. But you can see the words on the screen. And we'll be singing the first and second and last verses, please. Oh, 
for coming in and doing that. And now, if you'll join me in Ephesians, one last prayer I want to leave you with. Ephesians 3, and starting with verse 14. And this will be our benediction. When I think of all this, and Paul was referencing the wonderful news of Jesus, our Savior. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his Spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, and then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Have a wonderful rest of the day. We love you.